It's time now for our weekly trip across the Tasman where Peter Lusted awaits and we start off with news of Wayne Bennett. What a way to lose your job, Pete. How are you? <laughs> yeah, sacked. 25 years, sacked by voicemail. <laughs> Bit rough. Jeez. Well, hold yeah. on. Didn't he walk on them a few years ago and go and win a championship with, with St. George? I mean, he's not exactly treated him well either, has he? Well, look, I think, uh, look, the first time he went, it was, um, he, he treated them fairly well. And he sort of said, look, uh, the writing's on the wall here, I'll go. Went to Saints, did a great job, went to Newcastle, did a terrible job. Um, and really, I think, look, on the whole scheme of things, he's a legend in the club's history. But really, I think, uh, and on that, you say, look, this is rough. But uh, the way he's been acting recently from what these recent reports show, uh, it's the way it's sort of, you know, it basically uh, he's seemingly been acting quite odd himself. And uh, and look, in the end, it seems to be almost too tricky for himself. Bennett said a few months ago that, look, uh, the first time I left them, I had it easy for them. I could see, you know, they wanted to sort of go. But this time, they're going to have to sacrifice. So he was basically, it's seemingly from the outside, arrowing to get this payout. Uh, for the final year of his contract in 2019. On Friday, he called a press conference, which was just one he called himself, not didn't tell the club about it. Um, and then uh, makes the call where everyone says, all right, today's the day he's going to announce he stands down. Uh, and then doesn't do that, just makes an announcement that he's staying without thinking he's going. Seabold's been told, you know, said goodbye to the players. It was a huge mess. Uh, and then really what seems to have uh, you know, been some sort of factor is Sunday it comes out that uh, Wayne Bennett's actually been talking to some of the South Sydney players. Um, I already told Alex Johnson he's going to play on the wing this year, not a fullback. Also uh, reportedly said, no, look, we're not going to do this pre-season camp for next year. We'll do something else. Uh, so in the end, it seemed that uh, Bennett was seemingly sort of angling for uh, to get sacked from the Bronx so that he'd get that payout. Uh, but because he was playing both sides and still running things at South, um, then that's probably the reason they were able to, to sack him and, and not have to give him the payout. So look, it's pretty murky in the end how it's all sort of gone about, and it's very disappointing as well, I'm sure, for the Broncos. But uh, really, at the end, it was Anthony Seabold who sort of came out and shed some light on this. And uh, while that may not necessarily look that great, the guy was uh, had been sort of told yes and no, yes and no for months, and he sort of said, look, I'm telling my kids we're leaving and not leaving every second week, and uh, doing my head in, doing my family's head in, let's Let's get it out there. Let's get it done. And and at the end of the day, I think it's a fair enough move because um, you know this is silly buggers for, for weeks. Everyone everyone's known that it's an untenable situation. Uh, it stinks that this happens with the NRL coaches, but all the other clubs seem to work it out a month ago. Um, this should have happened a long time ago. So there cause as well though for the NRL to tighten all this up so we don't have to go through this malarkey every year, right? There has to be. Uh, but I think if you look at it, uh, part of this is um, exactly what happens with the players. And I don't think you can necessarily just point the finger at the players because the clubs do exactly the same thing. It's It happens all the time. You know, the contracts just aren't worth what they're signed on anymore. We see with Sean Johnson, you know, uh, you you know, you agree, you both sides agree, but if it doesn't work out for one side and they just sort of kick up a stink and then uh, people end up moving on. I mean, uh, you know, rugby league is sort of generally of the earth sort of people you, you know used to be your words your word and you shake on it and that's it but that's nothing these days the game's a business and uh, if they're going to make changes with what happens with the coaches and they have to look at the players as well because this is just what happens in rugby league uh, there's not a lot of loyalty and um, and that comes from both sides clubland and the players 
Yeah, and rugby league stealing time. We should be talking about cricket. It's the off season. They're so greedy. Let's let's move on, eh? Let's talk about what's happening on Thursday. I see that um, Australia have conceded that they're a bit pants and they're not going to to Brisbane for their opening test against India. What are they afraid they're going to get poleaxed like what they normally do to the opposition? Are they, Pete? I do not think that's the case. I think the Australian players would be very keen to go to the Gabba. I mean, it's <laughs> it's 25 years since we've lost there. I think, if anything, the players would be pretty annoyed with Cricket Australia. The one bonus is, is that Adelaide isn't what traditionally Adelaide was. Uh, these days, there's a, a fair bit of green on the wicket. It won't be a day-night test, which will change things. Uh, but the seamers are a lot more successful on the modern-day Adelaide Oval. It's not the road for three and a half days and then the spinners come into play that it used to, which obviously would play into India's hands. Uh, But look, it's a really interesting series from a lot of standpoints because Australia is weakened. Um, India has proved themselves less of a pushover overseas. Um, Of course, they have Virat Kohli, so they're a chance to win any cricket game. Uh, And you've got this interesting circumstance where really this is... India has never won a test series in Australia. They've drawn one. Um, and uh, and look, if there's a time they're ever going to win it, it's got to be this time. They've got a decent pace attack, probably the best pace attack they've brought to Australia. Uh, and Australia, well, look, they won't have much um, confidence, I guess, in the batting lineup, the people that is, rather than the team, because they just have failed so many times. But that bowling attack, Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, Lyon, is very experienced. It's the same attack that won the Ashes last year. So that's what will give Australia hope. And and really, if they can somewhat nullify Coley, make sure he, you know, just doesn't win the series himself, um, then they, you know, they're, they're definitely a chance. Uh, I think the bookies have uh, still got Australia slight favourites, um, which is probably due to India's lack of ability to win at home. But uh, it's going to be a really interesting series. And uh, uh, really, it's just uh, if the Aussie batsman can get enough runs on the board to, to complement or, or to give that bowling attack a chance. Mundane sprawled all over the canvas, uh, beaten into a pulp. Well, didn't really chance to pulp him, did he? It was only 96 seconds. Horn had the upper hand. Uh, Mundine's retirement is over. But what does he leave on the Australian sporting landscape legacy-wise, do you think, Peter? Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, He is probably the most divisive um, character in Australian sport. Uh, and the only reason you'd say he wasn't, isn't that is because uh, probably 90% of the nation hate the guy. <laughs> uh, Anthony Mundine was excellent at both sports. He was, you know, you remember back in the rugby league days, he was superb. He got Saints to a couple of grand finals. Of course, they did win those, but uh, uh, really, he's just will be most remembered for just being the guy that consistently sh- just shot off at the lip. Uh, in the rugby league days, uh, it was not appreciated because he said, look, I'm God overlooked, be- uh, um, you know, because of uh, because of my background, because I'm Aboriginal, when there's guys who are like, you know, I should be picked ahead of Fittler and Daly. That never really washed with the public because Fittler and Daly, you know, they won the comps. They're basically legends of the game. Uh, but I think what really irritated a lot of Australians is, uh, you know, when he went to the boxing as well, he consistently just... Uh, he said uh, boxing's a different game because obviously, they, you know, you've got to talk the game and you've got to do all this. And uh, it's a very American thing to try to... Uh, publicise your fight and um, while Mundine was excellent at that and his, uh, his pockets will be well lined because of it and look Jeff Horns will be as well they raised uh, two and a half million each they supposedly got from this fight alone uh, but that was basically because Australians want to turn up to see Mundine get his head bashed in and that was his career um, so a fantastic athlete to be able to do what he did in both sports um, but he'll probably be remembered by most Australians as a, as a bit of a wanker really because the way he talked and Supposedly, from what you hear from a lot of people, that's not the guy. He's apparently a lovely guy and uh, a real lovely person. But you're Australian pub and uh, you know what answer you're going to get when you talk about Anthony Mundine. 
And on that, we're out. See you later, Peter. Catch you next week, mate. Have a have a great one, and thanks for your time. Thanks, Darcy.